Hey, y'all, it's Noxie. Thanks for listening to the Detailed Solutions Podcast. And now, a little bit more about one of our sponsors. Alex, have you heard about the pain assassins on Facebook? No, Noxie, what's that? I'm glad you asked, you wrinkled little booby. Pain Assassins was started by a dude named Jason Bruno to where detailers can find the camaraderie that they're looking for without any of the negative trolling bullshit like other Facebook groups. Not only that, but they can compete with their work weekly, monthly, or yearly to win prizes. Oh, dude, and they make sick merchandise, so you always have fresh gear to wear. Whoa. <sighs> anyway, y'all want to check it out? Again, it's Pain Assassins on Facebook or Instagram. Check it out. Welcome to the Detail Solutions Podcast. My name is Alex. I am your host as always. Uh, we've had some heavy hitters on the past couple of weeks, so we're going to dive back down to somebody that probably nobody knows. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we got Hopefully. Todd. <laughs> we got Todd Helm from Rupes here. Uh, how you doing, Todd? I'm doing great, brother. How are you? Good, man. Good. So Actually, I'm having a terrible day, if I'm being honest with you. Are you? What's yeah, I'm a big... Uh, Big Cubs fan. Oh, and, you guys had a trade or something, didn't you? Uh, three. We basically traded away all of our uh, talent. The we, we got rid of our three best players. Uh, Actually, technically our four best players. Um, but three of those were on the World Series winning team in 2016. Oh, man. And so today has been like, a, it just kept getting worse throughout the day. Yeah. Listen, I know how you feel. It's been a terrible summer for me uh, with the what happened? Aaron Rodgers Packers thing going on. Ooh, you're a Packers fan. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Oh, I, I didn't. I, if I knew that, I wouldn't have agreed. Yeah. <laughs> by the I, way. Know. I know you're such a huge Chicago fan, man. Born and raised. I know. Listen, man, I've got some friends that are Chicago fans. I mean, we get along except for the football season. <laughs> yeah. Except for football season. Yeah. Well, but, you know, so, so quick, funny story just to yeah. start this off. Yeah. I don't care. Um, one time I was on a trip with, uh, with Rupus to, to, uh, to Green Bay and I flew into, I want to say it was Appleton, which is a town about an hour, not even quite an hour from Green Bay. Right. And I wore all my Bears stuff because that's <laughs> makes sense. It's what right, you do. Right. And my hotel actually overlooked Lambeau Field. It was terrible. It, it like glows at night into oh, my, nice. my hotel room. So <laughs> I think I remember uh, you posted about that. Actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I do remember yeah. that. So I land, I land in Appleton and I go to Enterprise or whoever the rental car company is. And uh, I, I have my bear stuff on. And the guys there, they were laughing. You know, they're like, oh, man sorry you know and I, I said yeah okay sorry for what here it comes because you know green yeah. Bay chicago's butt like in a, out of the last 24 games i think we won two or three yeah if that yeah, yeah. Well, i'm pretty sure <laughs> um 
so the uh the guy goes well they just released a thing and like jay cutler who was our quarterback at the time yep. he had scored out of the top 10 green bay quarterbacks he he was number nine on touchdowns because he had thrown like four picks or something i i don't remember the statistics but yeah i think, I think he's thrown more touchdowns than anybody else of the green bay packers more or less man, yeah except for uh favre and uh mm-hmm. uh rogers but anyways long story longer the uh they upgraded my rental car to an escalade just to rub it in my face so uh <laughs> they felt so bad for me and that's when i realized that the rivalry was over yeah listen man uh the one Still thing the one thing you, the one thing that i gotta love about chicago is the the smoking jay man just don't care <laughs> i love that meme <laughs> we uh no we yeah but you know as a chicagoan you are a diehard fan of Chicago sports. Yeah. And if we suck, I watch every game. If we yeah. win, I watch every game. Yep. And that's, yeah, I've cried many tears. Today was just a few more. But, yeah. but other than that, I'm doing good. You guys, you guys got, uh, at least you guys got some, maybe some hope with new quarterback. We'll some, see. Uh, fields or whatever. Yeah. But the, yeah. Ohio can't give a good NFL quarterback yeah, and the true. bears can't develop one. That's so true. we'll ruin them. Ruined. <laughs> that's true. All right, man. So if anybody out there in podcast land uh, doesn't know who Todd is, I mean, we've had you on before, um, sure. but in case somebody knew, never, never heard of you, who's, who's Todd Helm? What do you do? Oh, Where are you gonna, from? And I am a father. There you and go. That's, that's about the most important thing I do. It is. Um, in fact, I would I would even argue it's the only important thing I do, um, other than be a good friend and family man. And and I know you've had a really good friend of mine on a lot lately. Yes, sir. And, and David and I know a lot of the, the old school guys. But I I think what you're asking is my detailing background. Yeah, because let's face it. I mean, as much as we love that you're a great father and and a friend, try to be. I don't know. If listen, such a thing. We, we just work. want we just want to know detail secrets right now. So right, yeah, right. we want to know the detail. We want to know the detail background. For- yeah, enough with the humanity, right? Yeah. Um, ah, geez, my background is um, I got really lucky. Uh, I started detailing to supplement income while I was in college and got really, really lucky and managed to detail a couple nice cars and did a good enough job and, and realized that I didn't want to blow that opportunity. So then I sought out training and with my, my background, um, I was able to kind of gel the craftsmanship and the, the artisanship, if you will call it that, of detailing. And I, I did a lot of posting online back prior to what we define now as social media. So a lot of the discussion forums back in the day. Right. But my idol, one of my idols uh, was a guy, I'm sure everybody knows Mike Phillips, and Mike was with McGuire's at the time, but I always loved how he educated people. And so I used to do my write-ups. I tried to fashion them in an educational manner. That led to a number of relationships with manufacturers and um, was really popular detailer. I've detailed a lot of really high-end cars. But as I became really well-known in this industry back in the day, I realized I hated being really well-known <laughs> because people are haters, right? Yeah. Like people are just like, I used to read things about myself on the internet that obviously I knew weren't true. And I just thought, right. man, and, and what a sad look at people whenever they tell you about 
how you behave because all they're doing is telling you how they think right you know? exactly yeah but but anyways uh i just realized i liked helping people and i didn't want to be cyber famous so i went to work for auto geek and actually took a fairly low-key role with them i didn't want to be out front i was offered to do that and i didn't want to and then on to rupas where i really spent the first few years working more behind the scenes than than maybe even now and was really fortunate because when i went to work for rupas we had um it was just you and Ch- yeah it was just you and chip at the time right case and that's i when, yeah that's yeah. when i met you yeah mm-hmm. that's when we met and yeah. it was about 2013 14 when i went to work for them and at the time we were just shipping things out of a 3pl warehouse and we now do more in sales I would say every two weeks, then we did our first calendar year. So when oh, I went wow. to work, it was two of us. And now we have a factory in, in uh, Colorado. And yeah. I don't know if you heard or I mentioned it last time, but we are, we kind of got found out because people, we posted from job hirings in Houston, but we're opening <laughs> up a second uh, production facility oh, nice. in Houston, Texas. That's yeah. awesome, man. So more and more products are being made more and a company of two people shipping things out of a 3PL warehouse where <laughs> right. I was the sales manager, the online presence, the, the customer service, the, uh, it, although Chip actually handled most of that yeah. amazingly yeah. well. But, but anyways, from that to where we are now, and I, I'm a small part of that. I'm just a spoke in the wheel. But, right, the, right. Uh, you know, it, it's a pretty incredible journey. So how old were you when you started detailing? And, and like, what got you into it? Okay, so that's a long answer. Do you really Listen, want to get into it? We, we, got, we got at least 45 minutes to an hour, maybe a little bit more to fill, so I don't really care. <laughs> okay, well. My, my job off. is made easier when, when people t- tell their stories and don't just give me, like, one-word answer, like, I was 15 and I like cars. Well, I was a car guy. Okay. And as a person, actually, in... High school, I, I really fell in love with cars and motorcycles and, and read a lot of car magazines. So if you actually look at my old write-ups, I used to fashion them like magazine articles and I used to okay. really get into the pictures I would take and I always imagined it was a car and driver or something like that. Right, right. But that's what started it. And I went to the library and read a bunch of books on how cars worked and read a bunch of hot rod magazines and learned about camshafts. And one article was how to detail your car. And I thought that was cool because I had a Camaro and that was something I could do. So I was about 16, I think the first time I started detailing. Yeah. Ironically, when I was about 14, my parents bought a computer with a word processor. Sounds funny to say now, but it's <laughs> 21 years old. Right. And I printed out flyers to become a detailer. Nobody ever called, but I went around the neighborhood uh, at 14, I thought I was a detailer, but, but anyways, um, so my buddy Ray, his brother owned a car dealership and his brother mm-hmm. would pay us like, I don't remember $35 each to buff out his used cars. It was like one of these little corner yeah. lot deals in Chicago with chains around it at night. Um, although it was in a really good neighborhood, but, but anyways, um, we would, uh, polish it and what we were told the guy that taught us how to buff actually ran the auto parts store he was like yeah just take this squeeze it on here run it at this and buff until you can see the the whites of your eyes like we right, were right. like the british are coming you know right detailers let me tell you why slick is the perfect silica spray slick has made protecting your car easier than ever before the amount of depth and gloss that is left behind after using slick will leave everyone speechless 
What is the biggest complaint about silica sprays? It's the streaking and smearing left behind for you to deal with on your car's paint, taking away from the gloss and shine. Slick is the first completely streak-free silica spray on the market, which provides the greatest user experience available. Some of Slick's benefits are the UV inhibitors to add to UV protection, high-quality silica, allowing Slick to work well with ceramic coatings, waxes, and sealants. It can be used as a drying aid, maintenance for coatings, on windows, rims, and it's safe on trim. And no streaking leads to a safer application because the more streaks, the more you have to wipe. And we all know the more you touch a car, the more damage you incur. So go to the Detail Supply app and pick up some slick today. And remember, use the code DETAIL15 at checkout to save 15% off your purchases. That's DETAIL15 because you are a Detail Solutions podcast listener and save 15% off your purchases. So we started doing that. I went to work in a body shop, polishing cars for a little bit. And then that was it until I was in college. And like I said, I, I, I actually got a car from my parents. It was a fully loaded black SUV and it was swirled. And I tried to polish it the old way and it didn't work. And that's started Googling and think I discovered McGuire's online. That's how I learned who Mike Phillips was at the time. Right. 2005, there wasn't quite the... Uh, level of information in fact it wasn't yeah mike just seemed like the only guy that was actually teaching the truth and everybody else was teaching magic oh, okay. i found and so that was what kind of started my journey um right polished out my bought a porter cable polished out my truck i thought wow that wasn't too bad and off i went and a couple years later i was traveling around the world and it really was just good time i mean i didn't do anything magical or i put a lot of effort into pictures and photos and i don't know i've talked to a couple people we talked to kilmer last week obviously for money and and a few others that have all said your name is you're the guy you're the guy i know and i know listen as long as i've known you, you you you've never really kind of had that that ego or whatever but hey man well, I don't know where, you know, I, I, I almost pretended to have an ego back then because I felt like, well, there were two things that happened early on, but one was like, I needed to have an ego as a persona. And then, yeah. and then um, actually worked, hired a guy that worked for me for a little while that could really rile me up and him and I would attack some people online. But that I look back at that it was really embarrassing because yeah. it's not my personality. I right. like to have fun with people, but sometimes a playful mentality doesn't transfer well online and people yeah. think you're being condescending when you're just, if people could know it's how hard, it's much I was- It's hard to read text. It's hard to read text. It's, yeah. it's impossible. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like guys like Kilmore and, or Kilmer, Fermani, Barry Thiel, a lot of those oh, yeah, guys- Barry, Barry was the other one. That's what it was. Yeah. And it's funny because a lot of terms I came up with like Juline or- yeah. Everybody uses them now. They have no idea the <laughs> no. origin. <laughs> I know. Or there's this damn paint chart that I made that shows paint defects. Uh huh. And Barry always tags me in it. But at least 50 times a year, somebody's posting it on their website. You know, like, oh, this is what I, you know, they're detailing website. And then Barry yeah. will be like, Todd Helm made that. Give him credit. It, things like that, <laughs> I think, are funny. Nice. Um, but they have no bearing on on what I do now. And it's good that I had that experience being a high-end detailer because I think, and I'm, 
obviously as an educator who is honored to work for a manufacturer right i have a lot more knowledge than most people because i kind of come from both ends yeah and i'm you know i i've studied and learned and kind of passed that along you know it's it's teaching is a way to really learn so so doing it but that gives me a unique perspective um but i'm not unique in this industry a lot of so uh originally Proper Auto Care hired me, which Proper Auto Care was kind of the plant that um, spread the seeds of Auto Geek. Okay. So a lot of people don't know the history of this industry. No, they don't. And and that's and that's one of the things that. So when I started this podcast, like originally, like I wanted to to shine a light on the guys and the girls that are, you know, to use Billy's term, in the trenches. You know, nobody kind of knows they're up and coming. Um, but the more that I kind of started reaching out to some of my friends that that have been around in this industry longer, and then they're like, well, you got to talk to this guy, and you got to talk to that guy, and you got to talk to this person, you got to talk to this person. And so the more that I'm talking to everybody, I'm finding out a lot of things that I never really knew, you know? Um, yeah, I can't tell you much before 2005, but I can tell you this, you know? There was a company based out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, which actually started all of this in a very strange way. I'll give you a quick history lesson. No, go ahead. Conversation. That's what that's the one thing I love about this is like not only my learning, but everybody else is learning too about well, this. If you imagine detailing on the internet okay. in its infancy, right? Yeah. Um, how did this kind of this high-end detailing thing start? Well, to the best of my knowledge, there was a a radio. A guy named Terry Freiberg, who was a, owned a radio sales, like high-end, hi-fi stereo. Right. He moved to Florida, and he used to have a couple nice cars, and he was a car guy. So he actually used Zymol wax. Okay. But Zymol was really expensive. Yeah. And so he, I think he called, and I could have some parts of this a little bit off, but I'm ninety percent of it or more is, is is accurate because a lot of it's hearsay, you know. Right. Right. And um, but from multiple people. So Terry Freiberg uh moved to florida wanted to sell zymol wax opened up a, a brick and mortar location in tampa i don't remember the name of it and he used to order uh zymol from the back of car magazines there was a place i think called beverly hills motoring club okay and you could buy zymol well then terry wanted to resell zymol but it was the margin was terrible or it wasn't a good business decision he wanted to sell it in his car accessory shop in tampa yeah so he said, I'll make my own wax brand. And the wax brand that he made is called Pinnacle. And so that was, um, and so Terry kind of learned, wow, okay, I need to sell Pinnacle. Now, at the same time, there was a gentleman who came from Jersey, who was like a, uh, he used to work on the New Jersey shore, the boardwalks, like almost like selling things. And his name is Bob McKee. So Bob McKee moves down to the other coast of Florida and he opens up a number of stores called the driver's seat and he wants to sell a high-end wax and he knows about pinnacle okay does that make sense yeah are you with me so far yeah i'm following i'm connecting dots okay so so <laughs> bob and terry get together and they, they make a deal terry and bob become 50 50 partners in pinnacle even though they're selling it for different companies right so the terry out in tampa realizes man I, he changes his company to classic motor and accessories and realizes he needs to go online because this is you know e-retail starting yeah. to become popular so he starts proper auto care a few years later uh bob mckee starts auto geek which is the competitor but at the right. time they were buddies 
they have some falling out. There's two sides to every story, and that's not important, over Pinnacle. But Bob McKee buys it out and takes over Pinnacle. Okay. So that's why Pinnacle is an auto geek product. Wow. Terry responds and says, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, uh, create a second brand to compete against Pinnacle, and that was Blackfire. Okay. So that's how those two brands started. And um, I think originally Terry may have copied all the formulas because he originally knew them. And, and anyways, yeah. it went into like some mess. So at this time, there's a, a web form called Autopia, and there's a third player, Autopia Car Care, with a guy named David Bynan. Uh, David and Proper Auto Care kind of joined forces for a little and that's where i kind of come into it is is um proper auto care uh or i'm sorry autopia car care separates from a form it becomes the most popular form i don't know i don't know if you remember back in the day like autopia yeah. that's right like back in the day not now but back in the day 2009 something like that it was so popular and, and i would post things that would get sometimes 50 to 100 thousand views wow. um which was insane back then you know and but they all have this big falling out. Everybody hates everybody. Um, half of Autopia gets sold to AutoGeek. The other half of Autopia gets sold to 3D Car Care. They get into a big like mess. Yeah. I went to work for Proper Auto Care, the original. At this time, Terry had sold to his friend Jack, but also did like some weird partnership deal with Lake Country. So I was working for a company owned by Lake Country, okay. but never... They never told me anything, actually. Right. Um, but but they were the partner. Eventually, during the 2009 crisis, 2008 crisis, so I was a little off my time frame, Classic Motoring goes out of business. Uh, the guy that was running at the time, Jack, retires. The country sells the assets to AutoGeek, and AutoGeek becomes the biggest retailer. But that's – and it really was pinnacle. If you want, if you go back to, like, Wayback Machine and look at detail in 2009-10, the big arguments, there were no coatings. We were arguing about Zeno versus yeah. natural waxes. It was a whole different world, and everybody was using a rotary. And 80% right. of the people were using Menzerna. And I was one of the guys using a rotary, too. Well, dual actions weren't really around at that time, though, well, were they? I mean, like, they had, well, like, the, the dual... cable was. Okay, because I remember and the flex just was starting to become popular. Okay, because I remember, let's see, um, probably like '97 at the car wash. We the car wash that I had started detailing at um, had got bought out by um, uh, Simon Eyes at the time, which was Wash Depot, I think, at the time. Uh, but they were using the Simon Eyes brand. And then they brought in the old dual head cycle. Uh, yeah. Which Rupus owns now. Right. Yeah. yeah. Hated those machines. Like it was, it was, you know, going from a oh, rotary no. to that, like, you know, and, and again, you know, in like mid nineties, late nineties technology, like it just like, it, it didn't, it didn't do to a car what we were used to doing kind of thing. Um, but it. that's, that's kind of my first into well, for me, it Anything was dual action. I, I was using a rotary and that's actually how I kind of came up with this weird term Julian because uh, we were trying to figure out a way to eliminate holograms. Right. And, you know, products had fillers that didn't have fillers and we were doing everything we could. And it was what happened, though, is all of a sudden this paint correction process, because I would spend so much time on that final step with the non-mechanical pad. Back then it was like Lake Country Black Foam. Yeah. 
and usually Manzerna. It was called PO85RD, which was, uh, I don't even know what they call it now, but if it's even still available, but, but I would run it like 600 RPM and it would clean out the pad every, you know, it, it would take hours and hours just to do the final polishing step. I mean, oh, just wow. to do, you know, I mean, probably four or five hours because it was so tedious to try to yeah. knock out every hologram. And um, a guy contacted me on a forum when I was at the height of my popularity. And he goes, Hey, I, I think if you listen to me, if you're willing to listen to me, I could help you, you know? And, and I said, ah, fuck off. Who are you? You know, <laughs> um, it was Kevin Brown. And oh, wow. yeah, he reached out to me when he was unknown, more or less. And I was at the peak of whatever yeah. popularity I had. And I, 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 I really didn't tell him that. I, I, Kevin is just the most humble, amazing human being. And so when he contacted me, he got my ear right away. And he starts talking to me about the science of it. And, and with my background, I'm loving it. And I, I never even thought like this before. I mean, right. I did, but I didn't. And he goes, you know, all we had was a Porter cable and actually Dynabraid had an attachment that went onto the end of a rotary, which would convert it to a three quarter of an inch dual action. Okay. There's a unique relationship there, but um, that, that maybe I'll get into later uh, with Rupes and Dynabraid. But um, Chip Case was the former international sales manager for Dynabraid. Oh, and um, but anyways, you could convert a rotary into a three quarter inch DA, and but I didn't like that. It was really terribly unbalanced, and you were limited. Your RPM or your OPM, your orbits per minute, were limited yeah. by the rotary. So most of them were like twenty eight hundred RPM. Mm, a Bigfoot spins at four thousand and five thousand. I mean, right. so you're literally half the the power. So. Yeah. I didn't like it. I actually preferred the Porter cable. Kevin showed me a bunch of things to become good with the Porter cable. And it got to the point where I would do my cutting with the rotary and finish with the Porter cable, or I would do sometimes full corrections. At the same time, Jason Rose, who now works for Rupus and McGuire's, you know, if you talk to Jason, he'll tell you there was a team involved. Yeah. But Jason reaches out to me because of his relationship with Kevin and says, Hey, we're developing this new pad uh, called a microfiber disc. And it, comes out of Canada. The the concept came out of actually the the F body, um, the Camaro and Firebird okay, yeah. uh, factory. They were using these things, a different style. So Jason had developed one for Meguiar's and it was amazing. And I met Jason in, in Tampa at the at a mobile tech expo actually, one of the first ones. And we uh, we became friends and and Jason was doing all these cool projects with McGuire's at the time 105 and the non-diminishing abrasives and 205. Right. So that was kind of the next evolution, you know. That was and and so we would slap these microfiber discs on a porter cable, and all of a sudden we were able to to get close to the correction level of rotary. Oh, wow. And so I never was a big flex user, although I I did have a 3401 and I liked it. To me, I could do as much with the Porter cable. I just had to deal with my hands going numb, and i I did not like, um, I did not like the uh, that Dynabraid attachment on a dual action, or on the rotary to turn it to dual action. Yeah. But then in two thousand, I think it's two thousand eleven. In fact, I know it's two thousand eleven. I'm working at Auto Geek. I'm in my Black Fire booth. Um. I get a text message, a group, group text from Kevin Brown. Dude, go to this booth at the far end of East Hall. 
uh, it was, which was about the size of a table. There's this uh-huh. crazy Italian uh, eight tenths of an inch orbital polisher. This thing is wild. It's balanced. It's smooth. Go check it out. So I actually walk over to the corner of the room. It's the same hall as the Auto Geek booth. I get permission to leave. I go over there and I, I see it and I pick it up and I turn it on and, and I go, holy crap, this thing's pretty cool. And Kevin, Kevin is like going nuts about it because this is like his dream. It's like the Dynabraid, but balanced. And it doesn't right. vibrate like a porter cable. So that was my first introduction to the, the random orbital, the, the Bigfoot. And I actually didn't like it that much when I first used it. I was like, ah, it's okay. <laughs> um, because the technique was different, right? The more you make the orbit, the harder it is to keep it flat, this, these things. But once I learned what that tool was, I was working at AutoGeek. And I thought, man, this is, and I was already behind the boat because by that time there were, you know, Kevin Brown and I think Todd Cooperwriter were kind of the two first distributors that were really pushing it. But I was able to get AutoGeek to bring it in or, or at least Autopia Car Care and eventually went to work for him. So there's the short history or long history. Dude, that's, that's you, awesome. You asked. I, no, no. I mean, listen, I love it. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are going to listen to it. Because, uh, again, I mean, you know, there's so many, so many guys and girls that I talk to through the podcast that have only been doing this like I have for five years, six years, you know, something like that. Um, or even some of the ones that have been doing it longer just don't know. Right. I mean, um, so I think it's, I think it's cool having people like you and Fermani and, and Kilmer and Brian Guy and Barry Thiel that are, you know, come in and just, you know, talk about the history of everything and, and kind of give some insight to it. Brian's a, Brian's another great human being in this. I don't talk to him that much. I haven't talked to him in years. You know, we will just, it's so weird because um, yeah, I don't know if it's just, I don't know what it is, but actually, but you know, like we live in a cool town. Um, two of the, the Rupus employees are here, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, Alberto Quiros Cabrera and I, and then, uh, you got Corey, yep. you know, who I've known forever and, yeah. and you're here and there's, there's actually quite a few really good detailers yeah. in this area. And then, um, you know, Brian, who, who's just a magical human being. And there's so many good people in this little yeah, there is. area, but none of us, I, at least I don't think I don't really hang out with any detailers. Um, no, you know, listen, um, I would love, I, you know, to hang around with people, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm like you, dude, I want to come home and be a father. I want to be a husband. I want to, yeah, be, yeah. Know, I, I love you know, to help I, people, but yeah, exactly. And I, and I mean, listen, it's, it's not a turn down anybody who says, Hey, let's go hang out because I, 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 I would or, or could, um, but it's not a priority. You know, it's not one of those things where I'm like, you know, got to wrangle up the boys and go hang out tonight kind of thing. But yeah, we should you know, do something. You know, what? we should plan an Orlando detailers night, but you probably would have better luck organizing it than I would. I don't even know how many detailers I know. Um, I'll tell you what, though, I'll tell you one thing that that sure has changed in this uh-huh. town is when I first started detailing, I never, ever saw a van or a truck or a oh, car driving by that's all a detail. Over the place. And now it's it's at least once a day, at least yeah. once a day. If I if I have a reasonable commute, yeah, um, I see a detailer, and, and, and it's and, like a different one. It's not even the same one you see every day. So it's like, oh well, you know, there goes so and so. It's it's new. Like every day, you know, I see a new van or new truck driving around with one uh, on the back. 
two, two stories about that. One time I was out on the boat with Alberto, you know, and uh-huh. here's the two Rupus reps and he has a boat and we're, we're out and we pull up in a parking lot and this guy, this detailer is trying to give us a business card. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're, we're just kind of laughing. We're like, thanks. And he, oh, I'll polish up your boat. And, you know, what kind of polisher do you use? And he opens up his thing and he, it's a Rupes. And I'm like, oh, yeah. well, oh, that's cool, man. You like it? You know, so that was kind of a cool story. And then, one time I think I was leaving mobile tech and I had a couple extra polishers, which does happen from time to time. And I had talked to Dylan. I said, what do you want me to do with these? Do you want me to mail them out or whatever? And he said, well, give them to customers or just, you know, do whatever, mark them off. So I pulled into the gas station, this Wawa by my house. And there was a detailer there and uh, I'm talking to him and he said, oh, I want to, I want to get into paint correction. So, oh man, I, I got the right thing for you. And I, I gave him a brand new, uh, Bigfoot 21. I think it was a Mark II at the time. Oh, nice. Uh, a full kit, you know. Wow. And a full uh, kit. That's yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I was really lucky to have that. Yeah. To, to to do it with and right, right. You know, what a great experience though to kind of brighten hey, somebody's. But day. you know what? It probably earned a customer for life. Well, I think he should come over and polish my cars, but I, I, I <laughs> you know, I'm teasing. But that was a cool thing. Um. But that's one of the weird experiences I've had given somebody, you know, the, the guy was so appreciative. Yeah. I'll tell you a really cool story. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's definitely a Rupa story, but this is just, this is talking about like things that make you feel good. Right. Right. So, ah, man, I want to say about four, four years ago at, at SEMA, um, this big old guy comes walking up to, I think it was Dylan and I, but I'm not sure. And uh, he starts talking and he's big. He's got about six, six, 350 pounds. And he, you could tell he's got that kind of uh, lower Louisiana drawl, right. that real cool accent, you know? And he starts telling us about how he's been a detailer, but he has such bad nerve damage that he couldn't polish anymore. Oh, wow. And then he bought a Bigfoot 21 online with the right pads and it was so smooth that he was able to provide for his family and as he's telling i think dylan is yeah he literally starts crying and this big beast of a man is just turning jelly and i think dylan he ended up hugging dylan i think it was dylan dylan and i and and uh i remember just thinking what a, a an amazing opportunity yeah um because that's what it's really about right like that's that's the best part of my job isn't helping somebody get 300 more for their coding it's it's i mean which is great of yeah. course yeah. but you know there's a lot of people where the rubber meets the road that are out there just trying to provide for their families right no you're, and no, you're exactly right here's a guy with such bad nerve damage he couldn't hold other tools and uh so anyways that was probably the best feeling that and, you know and, and that one is different because i didn't do anything you know yeah I, yeah you're just i'm just a representative for the company that right did. right but no that's that's awesome man hey um yeah so for everybody that's out there because i've Uh-oh. heard it said a million ways let's clear it up what are we clearing up what's the correct pronunciation for rupus yes rupus the English version is Rupes. If you speak one of the Latin languages, it should be Rupes. Uh-huh. There's a slight roll to the R, yeah. particularly in Italy. Right. Um, but so it's it is. Not, so it's not rupees. It's definitely not rupees. Well, it, it could be. I mean, it's five letters. You, you yeah. figure out how you want. But the, okay. the way that it would translate most accurately I, from English to, or Italian to English would be Rupes. Rupes, yeah. 
I was just curious. I just I just figured we'd throw that out there because because like, I, I yeah I hear it all the different ways and and I always remember when I first met you like one of the first things was like it's Rupez, it's Rupez, you know. So, but what a different time too, you know. Yeah. Like um, I always tell the story. The evolution of Rupes from me has been very different. I, I often wonder what the 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 optics are from people who look at the company because right. before at first when 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 rupus came in into the when it came out of the scene it was like the pretty girl at the prom right like everybody yeah. wanted to dance it's this italian company it's it's unknown and i actually used to start all of the presentations and, and educational things with the pronunciation it was literally the first slide yeah the name of it is Rupes in Italian. It's Realizzazioni Utensili Pneumatici Elettrici Speciali, which is it's a, it's an acronym, right. uh, manufacturer of specialty pneumatic and electric tools in Italy or in Italian. So so I would kind of do this whole walkthrough and it's Rupes. And when we would go to SEMA, my first couple of years at SEMA, it was like the first twenty or the the same twenty detailers that would just for five days had the same yeah. conversations because nobody else knew who we were. Body shops didn't know who we were. Industrial nobody knew who Rupus was. You know, we were kind of the new kids on the block. And when that changed was 2015. We came out with the Mark II and the Nano, and the first day at SEMA, it's actually cool. I have the video clip on the computer. Auto Geek was the booth across from us, and they had these cameras and they took like uh they they videotaped from all these cameras of like the, the entire SEMA show oh okay they had our first day and I have the compressed you know video from Yancey yeah. and the first day we were so busy at the booth with the Nano and the Mark II because because the Mark II was our answer to all the copycats right and then but the Nano was like mind-blowing like nobody had ever seen something so innovative the first battery powered polisher the first polisher that could run on battery or corded the first one with changeable movements and we took all of it combined it into one tool which now people take for granted but yeah. at the time so that was the year it changed and what happened was SEMA closed at five and so you know five o'clock the first day you get out by five fifteen. you, yeah. you want to get out the door we couldn't get out of there until 6.45 because what happened is there was such a, all the manufacturers heard about what we had come out with. So as soon as they closed their booths, they came Everybody to our booth. On your and we have it all on videotape <laughs> and it's hysterical. And that was the year it changed. So, so after 2015, 2016, we didn't come out with anything new. So we thought it was going to be a slow SEMA. Yeah. It was packed, but it was no longer the same detailers. And it was no longer us teaching people how to say our name. It was literally big name people coming to us going, Hey, I want to sell Rupus. Hey, what is the deal with this? Hey, how do I get that? In my woodworking factory. Yeah. And that was uh, a lot of people, you know, if, if you're new to the industry and Rupus is just a name that's been there since you've started polishing cars, just six years ago, we were the new kids on the block. Right. Now I've heard people literally call it Rupus senior car or, or, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. like that's, <laughs> that's so strange to me. Yeah. Um, and you know, if we're opening up a second factory, obviously I'll never just disclose how much we're selling, yeah, but, but it's obviously incredible. enough, a lot, a lot. And, and, and every year we're, we're growing. Uh, I even have my big foot. This is actually a shirt yeah. for money. Got me big foot for president. Nice. Um, but we're growing astronomically. We keep adding yeah. new people and another factory and, so I, I got into the Great, good man. place. Yeah. 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 
and it's interesting too because the the growth of Rupus also walks with the growth of the coding industry because the coding industry opened up profit margins that we hadn't really seen some of us were making before but a lot right. of us weren't and now it became here's a catch term i can sell to make the profit margin but i better learn how to polish paint and i keep hearing about this rupus thing and it's pretty yep. safe so let me just jump right into rupus yeah so i mean i the, all my machines are, are are you know mark twos for the most part well i have two mark twos and one es i just wasn't a big fan of the mark three no. Um, but, uh, you know, when everybody's like, like, ah, how can you spend the money on that? You know, there's, there's cheaper ones out there. And, and, you know, first of all, I, I'm a big fan of just how buttery smooth it is. Right. Um, I, I love that, that it just glides across the paint. But the other thing that I always try to tell people is my Mark two, my workhorse, the one that's been beaten up, ridden, put up wet, all that fun stuff. Um, I mean, I got it when they first came out. So what was that like 2015, 15, 16, 15, something like yeah. that? Yeah. Well, so the it's, end like, of 15, yeah. it's like first generation Mark two, right? Like it's, it wasn't made like just a year ago or whatever, or the last year you guys made them. Um, so, you know, when I look at how many, I mean, not even coding jobs, just, just a one-step polish or a, or a whatever job over you know, five, six years, that machine has made me, it's earned its keep and then some, yeah. and then um, Automagic Essential Florida fixed it for me because it was having some issues. And I don't know if you know Ronnie over there, but yep, Ronnie calls I me know. up and he's like, how is this thing even working to begin with? And I was like, what do you mean? And, uh, and uh, dang, I'm having the brain fart. What's the, the main part? Um, uh, stator the, no the thing that spins around the rotor no but on the inside that connects with the brushes yeah yeah the stator okay yeah so that i think it's the stator geez i better i'm having, yeah anyways, i don't know whatever whatever it is right whatever it is i can't i want to call it a Armature. capacitor but it's not a capacitor um thingamajigger yeah 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 he said it was so worn down that it wasn't even making contact with the brushes he goes i don't even know how you were using it. he goes in all my years of of fixing any kind of electrical polisher rotary whatever he goes i've never seen one that bad and i was like okay but can you fix it and he goes yeah and i was like all right fix it and send it back to me then <laughs> and so <laughs> he fixed it and sent it back to me and thing works like a champ again um so that's the one thing that that you know i always try to tell people is is they're easily fixed whether you send them back to you guys or you know, get lucky in somebody who can fix them locally. Um, and it's cheaper than buying a new one, you know, no offense. They're not cheap, but again, the money that it'll make you over the long haul, you know, it's kind of a no brainer. The rotor. I think it's the rotor. Anyways, I'm, I'm yeah. so bad with partner. Yeah, Anyways, <laughs> you know, one of the things too, and, and, and I, I'm always amazed at how many people I've been in shops where people have 30, 40 Bigfoot tools. Yeah which is an amazing loyalty. And, but I also think there's a value in it. And you're right, the tools aren't, aren't cheap. But look at, look at who we, we are a bunch of car passionate people. Yeah. 
um, if you look at like Jason, we all know, we should know his history. And if we yeah. don't know his history, Jason developed microfiber pads and non-diminishing abrasives and knocked out a bunch of home runs for Rupus. And if you haven't used the new polishing compounds that That's we awesome. have, the DA series. Um, yeah, good job. Thank you. That but I get no credit for that other than yeah, testing. No, I know. Yeah. But, but <laughs> honestly, I mean, got a bunch of it for free. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, was, I, I am was, on the, I'm I was team. lucky. I got, I got mine sent to me too. I know. So I, I heard was, about I that. <laughs> I heard about that. I got my finger on the pulse. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, so, uh, or Dylan, who was the product developer for Adams and actually surf city garage when they were yeah. popular. Uh, so, so there's, and there's just, you know, again, we're all small pieces in this big, big puzzle, but we hire these people and our industry, what we do is this, this is, we don't really do drills and you're not going to see our tools in Home Depot, although there's nothing wrong with that, of course, right. but this is what we do and, and innovative surface care. And so there's a lot of cool things coming out and, but you get that support team. If you buy Rupa's tools, you Everybody that works for Rupus is a member of, I don't want to say the family because it's corny, but right. you become an extended member of the family. I, I get phone calls all the time. I mean, that's what we do and, and we're passionate about it. So it's not just the tool, it's the support. And although, of course, everybody has haters, if you look, the overwhelming response to our customer service or our flat rate repair, um, it's ridiculously positive. Yeah. And, and even warranty repair rates. This is one thing. Um, people some rupus tools get a bad reputation the some of the original nanos needed repair that's for sure that was the first time we really outsourced because we produce all of our own stuff so that there, there were some issues there and then with covid and running a factory at one third the people yeah it slows everything pushing, down well and, and it pushing <laughs> twice as many tools out yeah there were a couple problems with mark three and and we've admitted it and we fixed it and that's done well, I, my problem with the mark three wasn't anything really with the machine it was more with the design okay um well the the but there were some quality concerns with the okay. mark three and they were very low so so all bigfoot polishers minus the nano which isn't the bigfoot family and i don't know the number on it. it it may have fallen into this it may not i have no idea but the all of them have less than a 1% warranty return rate, which means out of 100 tools sold, less than one comes back for a warranty repair. Right. That is ridiculously good. Yeah. Like, like, but the problem is we sell so many tools that when you go online, people say, oh man, you know, I had a problem with this Rupus tool or I had a problem with this one. And it looks like everybody's having problems with Rupus tools. But if people had any idea how many we were selling, yeah, and this is an excuse, but but even then, when tools don't work, we're crazy and documenting it. We know exactly the serial number. We know who built it. We know what components go in it, and we make a lot of running changes. Like I said, it, during COVID, during the heart of the pandemic, there were a few QC issues with with the the Mark III, some dead dead out of the box, and we know exactly why that is, and that problem was rectified. But that was a, a messy time for everybody trying yeah. to manufacture. And it's yeah. not an excuse. It's the truth. No, you're right. And, and, and honestly, I mean, I think sometimes you just have to realize, right. Shit happens. You know? Well, yeah, but you never I want, mean, you know, the reality is you're paying $400 for it. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. People want to bitch that they paid $400 for a machine and something didn't happen. 
you know, but then they don't go back and be like, oh, well, you know, Rupe has not only Rupe has fixed it, but they hooked me up here. They did the, you know, like, right. You know, I, out of, out of all my machines, I have, I have the one ES, I have the two Mark twos. Um, I have the, the mini, the 75 E, which is again, um, you know, uh, was probably, let's see, I bought that in like 15 or whatever, when I left the car wash to start my business. So I've had it for that long. And that one I did have an issue with, but again, it fell, fell under warranty. I sent it back to Rupez. You guys fix it, send it back to me. It's not a big sure. deal. Um, my, my hybrid nano, um, I haven't had any issues with that, but again, it doesn't get used as much as some of the other machines. Um, and then I have the rotary, which has never been used, but it's there as a, just in case I get I something watch. that, you know, the, the, the old Bigfoot won't, won't crank away on. So <laughs> Let her it's, it's there, it's there as backup. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've always enjoyed them. Um, uh, even my melee when I had the melee for a while, but I just, I just wasn't a big fan of the, the, uh, gear driven. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I traded that for a Mark two because you can't find the Mark twos anymore. Um, and what didn't you like about the Mark three? <clears throat> okay. So, so two things, I really didn't like the progressive trigger. Um, okay. although that wasn't like. Like if I was gonna rate on a scale of one to ten of not liking, it's low. Yeah. The big thing I didn't like was the um the speed dial being open, because so when I hold the machine, I hold it higher up on the handle. So what would happen is right here would end up hitting and either speeding up or slowing down. Ah, just because of the weight, just the ergonomics. Yeah. Yeah. Because most people prefer. Those, right. those two and, and again you know not high up on a one to ten scale of you know uncomfortableness but it was just something i didn't like and i had the opportunity to to trade my mark three for somebody who had a brand new mark two and i just liked the mark two better so i get it so i still I, like the es i i do too you know i you have to run it a little bit faster and yeah. it's not as powerful yeah I, actually so here's an interesting story okay just, again um, so, and I don't have it anymore. I know who has it, but the original Mark II prototype I had oh, wow. and the very first one, and it looked just like the ES tool. It was a hundred percent indistinguishable except for the color of the backing plate. Uh, back then all the backing plates were blue. This one had a gray backing plate. Yeah. But, um, I did a call to Disney world. Um, I don't remember with whatever the name of their, their, uh, water park is. And they were actually sanding, uh, one of the water you, park slides the story yeah and they yeah. were using uh fest tools really good sanders but they're real small orbit and they're mm -hmm. gear driven they're rotex sanders and they said oh let's try this 21 and it was the mark ii it's all i had was the mark ii prototype and i right. thought okay because i was actually going to go with sanders yeah and so we threw some sandpaper on that and did, like just destroyed the the or destroyed in a positive way killed yeah in a positive way uh the the removal of this old gel coat off the the water park slide so disney actually wanted to order a bunch of them but they weren't certified for sanding use not not in that environment there's right right yeah but that was the original mark ii prototype and then um i used to go around and show it to people and and wouldn't you know they would go holy crap it was so much more powerful yeah and i let my friend borrow it and i never got it back but i have to get it back <laughs> Now, now that we're, I haven't thought about this in years, but I have serial number one of the Nano long, uh, 
long neck and short neck. I have serial number one of the Mark II. I have, I don't know if I, you should come, I'll show you all these things. I have um, the prototypes of our triple action tools um, because I was the only employee in the US. So right, we would, right, yeah. I get them and they would just tell me to take them. Yeah. Um, what else do I have? I have the Mark II 15, the Mark II 21, the Mark III 21. Serial number okay. one, zero zero one. Wow. Yeah, it's it's just kind of cool. I don't get it anymore. Yeah, um, I was supposed to get the Mila, but um, Jason kept it. Although uh, I'll, get, I'll get it from him. <laughs> I'll get it from him. It was funny because I was listening to, I believe it was Rennie's podcast that Dylan was on. And Dylan was talking about how he was trying to find an ES from 2012. Because I guess that was the first year for the ES. Yeah, yeah. And so like, as I'm listening to it, like I, I go and I grab my ES and I, and I look on the bottom of it to see, and my ES was a 2014. Uh, what color is a trigger? Do you remember? Uh, the original no. ones were orange. I have an orange trigger one. No, it's, it's not orange. It's from it's like black and with the white. And gray. Or whatever yeah. Yeah. I have one that's from January, 2013. And I think it was the 1870. We used oh, to actually wow. number them in sequential. Yeah. So I used to, you used to be able to tell the build date by the number on it. Now now it's different um, yeah. for cataloging. But yeah, I have one of the more original ES tools, but um, I don't. It's not a 2012. And the very first ones were actually 2011. Oh, okay. Yeah, in Europe, and then 2012 in the U.S. And then the first year for the 15 was at the end of 2012 and if you look at the es or i think even the mark 215s it actually says detailing on the yeah the head know, yeah you know what mine doesn't say that and i noticed one of my buddies did like in the gold lettering and i was like yeah i was like did i get a rip off one or something even though i knew i ordered it directly from you guys <laughs> so. no no it, it was um i don't know when we changed it i think it was the mark three but maybe at the end of the mark two but yeah because that was a tool that detailers want because i'm right remember um the the bigfoot was made for buy shops that's okay that's what yeah. rupus did in europe especially in the south of europe not great britain but really the rest of europe nobody detailed you took it to a body shop and they would buff it out for you so, right. same kind of thing that was going on here to a lesser degree until maybe the 90s so wow. but crazy. anyway that's awesome yeah. <laughs> Listen, yeah. I, love, I love hearing about this kind of stuff well detailers wanted the tool they yeah. were the ones that demanded it. And the same thing with the, the mini, because there was the pneumatic mini. The first two Bigfoot tools were the 21 and the pneumatic mini. Okay. The, the LHR 75, the non-E, the, the Air Beast. Um, and anyways, those were the first two. And then the 15 and the, the electric mini were because detailers wanted it. Right. And so Rupus has always listened to the customer. Even the Nano was an idea dreamed up by by rupus but really some, some people, people had asked for that yeah, yeah like oh man i want a small random orbital and the crazy thing is too i mean if you look at every single 21 and 15 and even that dude selling those 25s which there's a hundred reasons why that's a bad idea but even the guys selling those all of those are copycats of rupus yeah right um everybody's selling a three inch 12 millimeter mini polisher is a copy of a rupus right everybody selling a nano version is a copy of a rupus yeah we are like it's almost insane 
the level of copycats. I, I go to SEMA now and I just can't believe it. I feel like I see our tools in every booth, but they're made by somebody else. Yeah. And um, which I'm not even, you know, it's it, it's here nor there, but it's going it to happen, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, you know, you know, when I was talking with Kilmer and, and Noxie, you know, about their stuff, you know, I mean, they, they've come out with a bunch of things that were, you know, kind of firsts you know, and then everybody just copies it and they're just like, ah, whatever, nothing we can really do about it. There isn't anything. And and I remember working for Rupus when we started getting copied about 2014, I think is when we really saw the, the uh, far East invasion of tools. And I remember going to SEMA and just seeing all these ones and just thinking, man, uh, our competitive is gone but the truth is is it wasn't because you know durability smoothness uh our tools same machine they're not even close yeah they're not even close yeah you know and a good example i won't pick on anybody too hard but there is a a a company that was one of the first ones to actually accurately copy us okay and they, they literally copied the counterweight inside the the es tool perfectly and what's funny is to this day, if you put our pads on that tool, it'll run a hell of a lot smoother than it does with their tool. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, Mike Phillips actually called them out at Mobile Tech last, well, two years ago when we last had it, because he mentioned it. You know, he was like, yeah. I noticed that with this polisher. Um, but that's a funny thing, right? Because it, it, people that were copying the tool didn't even know how important the pad weight was then we're teaching classes with pad weight and then companies start coming out with pads i won't mention any names but we could that all of a sudden look just like our pads they have a flat face a hole in the center yeah and it's now that's like the most popular pad when we first came out with those in 2012 people made fun of us they're like what the hell is this pad now (laughs) every freaking pad looks like a rupus pad right and if you were new to detailing you wouldn't even have any idea that the two big American pad manufacturers 100% took that the pad design. I mean, right. oh, some of them even stole the colors. Yeah. Like literally, they make our pads yeah. with close enough foams, and they and it's insane to me. Like it's so. Yeah. I remember. Crazy. Um, I remember my one and only um, detail fest at Auto Geek. I think it was like mm. March of 15 or 16 or whatever. It was, it was right after I left the car wash, started my my shop. Was that at the facility or at yeah. that convention? Center? No, okay. no, it was, I was. I think it was the last one at the facility because that was the year it like poured. We drove oh, down there. Yeah. We drove like three and a half hours down there and we were only there for like 45 minutes because it just, you know, typical like, Florida thunderstorm. And, yeah. and there was nowhere you could you could hide from it i mean they weren't letting anybody inside there weren't really any canopies um but i remember walking around um and there was a pad company there and and you know i was like i was like holy cow that blue pad looks an awful lot like the rubez blue pad and like even picked it up i mean if you would have handed the two of them to me like separately and been like, Hey, can you tell the difference? I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to tell the difference. It was, it, it was a pretty yeah. good copycat. Yeah. It is what it is. You yeah. know, it's, know. it's, uh, but, but you know, the thing is, is, is the truth is we're an innovative company. So the way you combat that is just, you keep coming out with innovation. Yeah. 
let everybody else sit in your wake. Right. And then well, your, new, your new pads have changed. And I will tell you, and, and everybody who's listening, I really wasn't a fan of the old blue pad. It was, it was way too coarse for me. Um, but the new blue pad, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, love it. well, that, that was, uh, again, listening to customers. And I actually like the old blue foam because if you soften it up properly, it would work really well. I was a big fan of the UHS pads, the old gray yeah. foams, but a lot yeah. of people, but, but see, that's weird. If you do it like a demographic test, which of course we get surveys and things, basically everybody South in the South US loved that pad and everybody in the North hated it. <laughs> and it's funny because you would go on forums and not even half, more than half wouldn't like it. And then you right. have some, and it's a heat thing. That particular foam was very heat sensitive. So I was going to ask you if it, yeah, I was going to ask you if it was a hum, like a humidity because well, I know it softened I know talk, up well. Yeah, I know talking with um, Brennan when when he was with Lake Country, um, you know, and I was asking him the difference between an orange an orange pad and a blue pad, and he's like, "You're in Florida, use a blue pad," and I was like, "Why?" And he was telling me because it in the humidity and the heat doesn't cake up as much as the orange one does. And I think that's kind of like how that, that gray pad, cause I remember using it um, when we had it at the wash doing one steps and, and it didn't seem like it caked up as much as other pads. No, do. and it would soften, it wouldn't skip, yeah. but th there are some similarities between that foam and the new blue foam. I mean, there's some adjustments too, but yeah, you know, it's one of those things where uh, the, the, the evolution of the pads is better. Right. And, you know, the thing, this is what makes us one, one thing that I guess this wasn't supposed to be a Rupus promo. So, but I guess I love the company I work for. Listen, whatever. What makes us really unique, really super unique. Yeah. We make the windings on our electric motors. We don't, push in 1200 watt motors that produce barely any torque and overheat and have to wrap them in rubber. Um, our, our tools don't run hot. Uh, they have class leading torque and they take in less energy, but to be honest with you, most of these companies that are advertising 800, 900,000 watt motors, it's, it's, it's complete. Like, let me be politically correct. In my observation, none of them produce that much input. Right. Um, you can drill a hole through the bearing and lock it. So when you hit the motor, it lock, that's when you get maximum draw. And there's ways people can, you can test it. You can test how much it's sucking out. Yeah. And I've never, all those ones claiming a thousand watt motors, man, they're about 600 watts and done. But um, I've never seen one pull more than 700 watts. And, and I've, yeah, but there's no real that number that wattage input is um it's not based on the power output it's it's literally so you can know what electrical system you need to plug it into so it will run that's what those numbers are for and it's, right. it's really false advertising when companies try to pretend like wattage is a measure of power it's not it's a measure of fuel economy yeah if both of our cars produce 300 horsepower and I get 50 miles a gallon and you get 20 miles a gallon and you go around bragging or not even 20, 10 miles a gallon and you go around bragging that you only get 10 miles a gallon, I would think you're kind of silly. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing. Well, my tool makes a thousand Watts. No, no, it doesn't make a thousand Watts. It sucks a thousand Watts in. <laughs> right. It's using and, more power. <laughs> yeah. And it converts it to heat, or at least it's advertised that it does. It probably doesn't. Right. And it converts it all to heat energy. And then you wonder why your tool runs hot. Um, but that is a completely different tangent. And I don't even know what subject we were on. No, to, no, no. To... Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so talking about 
yeah, what makes Rubus unique. Yeah. Um, so we do the own, our own electric motors. We, we wrap the copper windings in the motor. We're not, nothing shelf built. It's all purpose built and tuned. Right. You know, it's like, uh, uh, we're not just buying motors from a supplier. We make our own motors. We make our own backing plates. We source the Velcro for the pads and the backing plate. So when you look at our polishing pads, we make those. Yeah. And we will be making those in the US in, in Houston. Um, we make our own polishing compounds. We don't buy, so, so when we marry these together, we're not taking a polishing compound, going to a pad manufacturer, doing a bunch of testing and going, well, it works best with that one. Yeah. That's what almost everybody does. Or if you're a pad manufacturer that's partnering up with a compound manufacturer, you test a bunch of compounds and go, well, our green foam works better with that one. Right. We literally cook them in the same womb, right? Like they are engineered. So not only is that blue foam better in general, but when you team it up with the DA coarse compound, which it literally was created for, yeah. for real, like by one of the crazy wizards in this industry, yeah, exactly <laughs> who knows how to do that. Um, there's such a synergy there. So when you say you like the new blue foam better than the old blue foam, I get it. But I would say the new blue foam with the DA coarse compound is better than the old blue foam with the Zephyr compound. Yeah. Because they work so well as a team. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's no, it does. Kind of, it does. I yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it does. Um, so I want to ask you, and this is kind of a, uh, I guess, more of a trivia type question because I remember okay. you. I remember you told me this again when we first met, and and you were selling us tools and everything like that. And I'm curious okay. if it if it has changed. So I remember you told me that in the U.S. you guys sold more 21s than 15s oh yeah yeah yeah. the rest of the world was opposite was more 15s and 21s and i remember you telling me because we're americans we want the biggest the baddest the best of everything (laughs) is it still the same or has it changed because i remember i started with the 21 uh and i have changed to only 15s because after talking with you and understanding i i feel like there's better control with the 15 than the 21 i like the smaller pad i i don't know okay. um, i was just curious I, I could look up the data and, and 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 i have access to all the sales numbers i couldn't do it in real time no no i no, i know i was just but curious because again know, it was no, a no, trivia no. it was a fun little trivia thing that you told me yeah. in the beginning yeah well back then I, I i needed to know those numbers right and so i was but but you know what? I don't know if the 15 outsold the 21 in the rest of the world. I think that was the information I had at the time. But but that may not have been 100% accurate. I got you. Um, because I think some places in Europe at the time still favored the 21. But 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 I could be wrong on that. Um, I do remember hearing that, and so when I relayed yeah. that to you, it was accurate. But when I first started, if I remember correctly, the 21 outsold the 15, almost like three to one. Like there was a pretty significant gap. Then with the advent of the Mark II, and really the fact that now instead of Rupus being a company of two or three people, we had a number of people and we could control the message and we could educate people. Right. And and most of us uh, favor the 15 and really the 15 is a more versatile tool. And people also became more educated on random orbital. Uh, originally, it was like a lot of our customers were, were rotary guys. Yeah. And now most of our customers are random orbital guys, you know, so yeah. so, so there's just a difference the, in education. The balance is kind of change. Yeah. yeah. So I think by the time of the Mark II, the number had shrunk to like 
Oh, I, I Dylan will probably yell at me because he. I, I'm trying to remember, <laughs> but and I don't want to say anything inaccurate, but but no, I, I got it, you. It's getting you. tighter. It, yeah, it was almost there, and then I think with the Mark III, <sighs> the two, last time I looked at numbers two years ago, I think the 21 had like a three or four percent. Oh wow! Advantage, and I would almost imagine now it's yeah gone. The but I don't know that. Um, I don't okay, know so that. Let me- I, let me ask okay. you another question because I, I have, I know, I know a couple of people. I have a couple of friends who do this and I know I've seen it out there. So I want to get your take on it. Okay. What's your take on running the 21, but with a five inch pad or five inch backing plate? Does it, does it really make a difference? Cause I know some people like the five inch pad, but they feel like the 21 is more torquier or just, just because it has that bigger throw. Yeah, well, it is. The 21 yeah. has a little bit more power. I mean, it's... Okay, so... so and, I, and listen, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this with, I know you're probably really not supposed to advocate any well, modification of the machine. But, but I'm the just answer curious. I'm I'm just, yeah, I'm just curious. As on to... or off the record, my answer to this question would be the same. Yeah, okay. So there's no... For me, it's a, it's a safe question because... One of the great things about Rupus, we don't really get a message. We, we, I mean, we get the truth and we get engineering and, right. but, but nobody really ever has told me what I have to say. Okay. Although I'm sure I could yeah, force I myself into that position. <laughs> I um, know. And that's why I want to make sure like no, we, no, stay, but, we stay in your comfortability zone. No, no, no. Listen, here's, here's the honest answer to that. If you want to use a five inch backing plate, get a 15. And there's a number of reasons why. Oh, geez, man, this could go way off the deep end. So I'll try <laughs> to keep it not too too long. Okay. Um, the 21 is more powerful than the 15. All things being equal, there's there's well, no doubt about it. Has to be because it's throwing further, right? I mean, it's throwing further, but the 15 is also traveling at a faster speed. But there's a third okay. factor there, and one of the, the an important factor, and one of that is with a random orbital, and it's the only tool design like this. The smaller you make the backing plate and the pad, the more powerful it becomes. Oh, okay. A rotary and a gear driven, the the larger the diameter of the pad, the more edge speed, the more cut. Both those tools rely more on edge speed. Where the random orbital, 90% of the motion's orbital. It doesn't. Right. Contrary to popular opinion uh rotation doesn't make a big difference and it doesn't need to spin to correct it just needs to get well, that's the orbit kind of like and i learned this from money from fermani and i wish i'd have known it years ago i guess right so like again with what you're talking about um with a rotary um or gear driven your product goes middle out and with a dual action your product is really coming out in it can, although you don't see that with a large orbit as much as you would. The smaller the orbit, okay. the more that that occurs. Um, but yeah, um, the so so with all that taken into consideration, a smaller pad, higher speed, you make up a lot of that difference um, with the fifteen. So gotcha. so the fifteen and twenty one are pretty close. The twenty one has a slight advantage, but okay, run your fifteen on speed four and a half and it's gonna equal the twenty one on speed four. So it's it's negligible. Gotcha. The biggest problem with any random orbital, any random orbital, isn't the polisher. If I want to put a nine thousand RPM motor in that thing, I can. 
I can give it a 45 inch or 45 millimeter stroke. I guess I could give it a 45 inch one if I really wanted to <laughs> polish the whole hood like yeah. a floor. But but um, I could give it a, a 45 millimeter stroke and a 9,000 RPM. The problem with almost universally is the pad. Gotcha. Because the, the pad on a rotary just spins. Yeah. It's very comfortable living conditions. It, it gets up to 1800 RPM and it doesn't have a lot of variability. The only acceleration and deacceleration is as it contours to highs and lows, it right. ramps up. To, it's very little. Random orbital is like strapping yourself onto the uh, the scrambler ride at the fair. It's yeah. orbiting and spinning. So it's literally start, stop, start, stop. And this compression and expansion is why a foam pad on a random orbital gets hot. So with the 21, when you shrink that down to a five inch pad, you're putting a, a little bit more energy into a smaller surface. So the pad is one of the wear factors. Gotcha. And that's actually the least of the concerns. But but so yeah, so if I take a 21 with a, the correct pad, the correct backing plate and compare it power wise to 15, they're calibrated pretty evenly. Okay. When I swap that smaller pad onto the 21, it does supercharge the performance a little bit. Right. Plus, it makes it a little more versatile. Um, but there's a number of issues. So from a tool manufacturing standpoint, it does throw the tool off balance. Okay. Period. Um, and the problem is, if you, if you think about a porter cable or something with an eight millimeter stroke, a little bit yeah. of vibration doesn't do much. But when you have 21 millimeters, that's a lot of momentum. Yeah. And so any imbalance, any loading of the weight to one side puts more stress on the bearing, period. So, so by going to a five inch backing plate and a lighter pad, you absolutely are compromising bearing life. Now, when I say that, to what percentage? I have no idea. I know guys that have had a five inch backing plate on their 21 ES for nine years. Yeah, and the bearing no is fine and whatever. But I will say that a lot of times if we run into bearing issues on a newer tool, it's with a smaller backing plate and a washer mod. It's almost universal. These are the problems. Yeah. That was and, the other thing I was going to ask you about too, was the washer but, mod. I've never run it. I, I mean, I guess, yeah. I guess I've never had the need for it. I guess, uh, you know, my machines are so old and so worn down that the, uh, the shroud doesn't contact. Yeah. The shroud doesn't, you know, the shroud doesn't, uh, really sure. touch, you know? Um, and, and I ran into that when, uh, <clears throat> when my workhorse was off getting retooled and I had this brand new, uh, Mark two that I was using. Um, and I was like, man, why is this thing not spinning right? It's stalling all over the place. Like what the hell? Like I'm usually pretty good at balancing and, you know, and, and then I, I realized what it was and I was like, oh, so my old machine is just so beat up that it doesn't need a washer mod or anything because the shroud is kind of worn down and, and not creating that, that, uh, that grab or whatever. Um, well, yeah. so let me finish with the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other question first, but sorry, I'm trying to fix my chair. My leg is coming off. Um, stupid chair. But anyways, the uh, lefty loosey, righty tighty. You think it as a tool? Yeah, yeah. Know this shit. All right, there we go. So, anyways, long story short, short story long. Wherever I was, the the so so now you have this increased vibration. How detrimental it is to the tool, I don't know. 
the vibration is noticeable, but if you're using a foam pad, foam axis shock, yeah. but it still puts stress on the bearing. So, so for those reasons and the potential of overloading the pad, I would say don't do it. Okay. It, the official recommendation is not to do it. Right, right. But the science of why we say that isn't to force somebody into another tool. It's literally because this is the best operating condition for this tool to get the most life. And, and, and right. that's the, the honest answer. So if you want to do it, do it. What can I say? Um, now, as far as the washer mod, there's two issues with that, really. Listen, I get it. If, if you think that separating the backing plate from the shroud gives you more performance, which technically it really doesn't, but if you believe that, or it feels that way, or you notice a difference, because, or you don't want to lubricate the shroud on the backing plate, because that's really the, okay, fine. There's probably a better way than, than the washer mod. Some people take a razor blade and trim the shroud. Yeah. We don't recommend that. Um, it's a it's a it's a European safety regulation why we have to have friction there, um, but but anyways, the problem with the washer mod is twofold. One, although if you torque it correctly, it shouldn't make a difference. Okay. A lot of people are just torquing it with that little Allen key, and if yeah. you have a washer mod, you are losing whatever the thickness of that washer yeah. in terms of uh, thread seating. So whenever we see somebody throw a backing plate because it comes loose it's it, you when you tighten it with the washer mod you leave an imprint on the counterweight so we yeah. can see it the other thing is too if you imagine a backing plate what's it gonna let me okay if i take a baseball bat and i hold it close to my body it's easy i can even hold it straight out right but the more i extend my hand the more i increase the the leverage right the heavier it becomes well the same thing the further i separate that backing plate out the more side load there is on the bearing Gotcha. So if I put a washer mod on it and I'm putting a lot of angle on it, that additional side load sure. can torque the bearing enough to, to cause it to wear prematurely just because of that space. And imagine if that washer is a little bit soft and it allows yeah. for some. So it, because of those things, I, I, A, I don't think there's an increase in performance and, and I can show people that in a lab, but I, I, I don't want to have that argument for some yeah, people. No, no, I, no, I understand. Um, but if that's something that bothers you and, and the unofficial recommendation, Rupus absolutely doesn't recommend modifying the tools, but if you're going to take a cut the shroud, yeah, it, it's a, not all the way, just trim it enough where it, it removes the friction. Right. It's a much safer condition. Well, the other thing that you said that, that I think is the first time I've ever heard, um, is lubricating it. Like what would be the best, uh, just take the, the backing plate off and run some. No, so dielectric grease or Vaseline or something that's actually comes in the, the card when you get your tool, but you just take a dab, a dot of it, literally uh -huh. put it on the backing plate, turn the backing plate and it's done oh, okay. once a month. And, and if you notice, if you buy a new Bigfoot, a lot of times the backing plates actually look black, even though they're blue in color from the rubber running because they're yeah. all lubricated at the factory oh, okay. and pre-run in, but just lubricate it. But even if you lubricate it after a year or so, it's going to eventually wear off. Right. Or, or wear away enough. Yeah, no, I got you. you know. No, that might be, that's good to know because I might try that on the, uh, the brand new Mark II that, you know, doesn't, that still has the, the shroud, you know, all the way. Contacting. Yeah, because it, it hasn't been used for the past five years <laughs> getting beat up and everything like my other ones have. 
yeah give it just yeah if you keep it lubricated i don't think you're gonna see a big difference in performance i mean i don't i don't really think there was a i mean when i had to use it the other week i don't think there was a big difference in performance other than i did notice that on certain contours it stalled a little bit more than what my other one did Hmm. um which again usually i can figure out a balance or an angle either you know if i'm if i'm pushing too too much down on the handle or too much down on the horn or leaning it one way or the other i can usually rebalance it and and get it not to stall on a on any of those areas Mm -hmm. um but that one was a little bit harder i I guess because again i guess that shroud you know there's it's just it's a new machine it really hadn't been used i mean my buddy bought it yeah yeah i mean my buddy bought it and i think he used it on maybe a couple of cars or something like that um Mm. and then we switched so you know not a big deal um trying to think of well okay so i normally run through these questions for favorites because i like to ask everybody what their favorite different things are okay um because i feel like it helps detailers kind of get an idea but i kind of have a feeling that all your favorites are going to be one-sided. <laughs> okay, but we'll do it really quick. So, yeah. you, tell me, you tell me what you think my favorites are, and then I'll answer. Okay, so what's your favorite compound? Uh, of all time? Okay, well, listen, if, we're gonna, if we go all time, that's what I would really like, but I just didn't know if you were going to stick of course. Brand, brand loyalty and, <laughs> and only do brand loyalty all the way down. But if, you, if you do all time... Well, well, I can answer it two parts. Okay. Let's um, answer two parts. So my favorite compound, hands down, of all time is DA course. That's the truth. Okay. The but the let me give an ancillary answer. Um, I think the most game changing compound of all time was Meguiar's 105. Yeah. And, that's, and, that's but the they're... problem is, is that technology is now. 12 years old and time right. marches on and DA course is competitive and it's made by the same guy and it, it does everything that 105 would do but better but you know things leapfrog and we'll stay on top of it right so. I gotcha okay how about your favorite polish of all time polish yeah the new uno pure because mechanically it has the potential of any polish ever made to produce the highest gloss possible when i used to spin a rotary back in the day my favorite polish back then was minzerna again it was called po85 rd i have no idea what the number is now right. if it's still in production but um again technology moves forward and there's there's a lot see the problem with that question is 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 my answer honestly is is rupus uno pure and the reason it really is is because if you think about how much my experience is with modern polishes right it's limited you know i test against other products yeah but i'm not out there detailing cars every day so i'm like the worst person to ask but the reality is is even though menzerna po85 rd was my favorite when i detailed there's a number of ones that are better it's not just rupus right there's and and somebody may even think i'm crazy and they still prefer that and that's fine because sometimes what you're best with is what you use the most and have the most experience the detail is a very important part of the equation so when i tell you that honestly i i will be brand loyal it's not even 
to the need of being brand loyal. It's that's what I have experience with. Right, now. right. No, but see, that's the good thing about this, right? Is because, you know, again, everybody's different. Everybody's going to use something different. But if everybody gives an idea or a reason why, you know, X is their favorite, whatever, then whoever's listening to this, it, it just gives them an idea, right? Of, of like, sure. well, hey, you know, you know, because again, you're, you're, you're being brand loyal because again, like you said, that's, that's what you you're using, what you're testing, testing on and things like that. But what you're talking about it, somebody's going to hear and be like, Hey, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm looking for. Maybe I need to go out and try, you know, pure, or maybe I need to try this or whatever. Sure. So, so again, like, I, it doesn't matter to me that, that you're brand loyal. I mean, I, ex, I, I expect it. And I know that that's what you use on a daily basis. So it's, but it's more of like, the reasoning why that's going to help somebody else you know, kind of make yeah. that decision. Um, so pads, cut and polish. What are your favorite cut and polish pads? Favorite cut pad for sure is the DA wool pad. It's an awesome uh, pad. Yeah, I, I think that's just, I mean, I, I think the term game changers used way too frequently in everything, but that was, but was. and is, yeah, that it is and was a game changing pad. Almost as much cut as a microfiber and just so much more user friendly. Yeah. Um, and favorite polishing pad. Uh, I well now for sure it's the the yellow foam and the, the most copied pad probably in existence at this point. But um, actually, no, I would say of all time. But I mean that that's just such an incredible versatile pad so yeah the the rupa's yellow new and old has always been one of my favorites yeah um yeah. I, I always love having those on stock um do you have a, paper, a favorite towel the 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 favorites of some of the old school guys such as yourself has been the costco towel <laughs> no i don't like costco towels um <laughs> no i different towels for different things um i like short nap for wiping off polish residues i think it's silly when i see these guys using these big old fluffy yeah i i don't get it um i like short nap towels for removing polishing residues um give a little shout out although our new towels are amazing our old towels were great too i, yeah. I don't i mean are good you know i mean there's a lot of amazing there's so many good towels and a lot of them are coming from the same places but i will give a shout out to levi my good buddy um because they uh the rag company has a, a amazing assortment of towels they do they do but, but oh an interest I have, I have a good story okay. for you okay and, and i gotta kind of get ready to wrap this up in yeah, a yeah, yeah 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 we're, we're course, son is, yeah is uh waiting for me but oh, okay the um the uh he, he's being incredibly patient we're supposed to watch tv but oh, anyways no 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 no, no, <laughs> no apologies um he has a new car. He can, he can wait. I've bought okay. him off. I got you. Um, I got you. Listen, but, as long, at least your son wants to watch TV with you. I, my, I tell my daughter, man. like, Hey, why don't you come out here and watch something with me? She's like, nah, I'm going to my room, play with, play well, with friends. Unfortunately, the, the trick is you let them pick it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's not always the best, but, yeah, but the uh, anyways, first microfiber towel used in detailing was because of classic motoring accessories. They had received a, towel 
from electric manufacturers. That's what microfibers were originally okay. just developed for was like manufacturing sensitive dust free electric pieces. And uh, Terry, the guy I spoke about earlier, spilled a drink, threw the towel down, it absorbed all of it. He's holy crap. And that was the first time it was like, I think 1999 oh, wow. that microfiber was sold into the detailing market. And then from the same supplier, he got a waffle weave towel and had another mistake and threw it down and absorbed even more. And that was why waffle weave towels were the original microfiber drying towels. Oh, wow. So I have a couple of the original big blues, which are 100% Korean built um, from, I think the manufacturing day on this was early 2000s, but they, they were packaged for a while. And even to this day, those towels, I just washed my son's car with them earlier today and literally we dried it with a, a 2004 big blue. Oh, wow. And it it's still, still sucks. Up. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's That's really awesome. cool. So that just a little piece of yeah, automotive detail. That's that cool. Yeah. And um, so I, we'll, we'll try to zip through these. We only got a couple uh, left. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite sealant? Black fire, wet diamond, all finished okay. paint protection. There you go. Um, and here's one that I, so <clears throat> I thought about this at, like a week or two after we had, after we talked, right. After you were, you were on the okay. podcast with Fermani. And, and I almost thought that I dreamed it. Um, so this one is cleaners, right? Like APC, glass cleaner, wheel cleaner, stuff like that. Rupes makes glass cleaner, right? I remember using a glass cleaner. Yeah. And yep. don't you guys have like an all-purpose too or something? Yeah, sure do. I think. Okay. Because I just want to make sure I wasn't dreaming it. No, because no, I, no. I, rem so, I could have swore I remembered using it when when we first met. And yeah, yeah, actually, the glass cleaner is amazing, very right. streak free. Doesn't have a lot of cleaning properties. The all purpose cleaner is a general all purpose cleaner. Yeah, glass cleaner is amazing, but um, they're still sold in the U.S. I think. Yeah, I was gonna say, but I'm, I'm never, sure. and that's why that's why well, I they were they were always I've never seen them. I've never yeah. seen them anywhere else. No, there were a couple of places that did sell them, but it's actually sold them well. And people that used them really liked them. But the cost being manufactured in Italy, probably, you know, for an all-purpose yeah. cleaner, that, that's a budget yeah. price. And, you know, that's one, that's one of those things. Same thing with, with Uno uh, Protect. You know, it's an amazing all-in-one but those products are price sensitive yeah, you know they're, yeah. they're, it just is what it is so is a glass cleaner awesome it, it really is is it the best i don't know how to qualify that but yeah. it's really easy to make it streak free but there's a lot of good ones but it's expensive right right and so with an all-purpose cleaner or a wheel cleaner which we have in europe i think they they are more successful because gotcha. you know you're not shipping it over on an airplane yeah, I just, and it's I a just flammable wanted, liquid. i just wanted to make sure i wasn't dreaming that because not. i could have swore i'd remember no, they're great the packaging is awesome <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um what's your favorite machine polisher favorite machine favorite machine ducati panigale oh, okay <laughs> i mean whatever detailing detailing machine terminator yeah. t800 polisher um, polisher rotary whatever style random orbital um okay. my favorite random orbital is the uh pneumatic uh the pneumatic mini the lhr 75 the air driven mini okay 
weighs and one and a half pounds, has a 15 millimeter orbit and 11,000 RPM. It's ridiculous. And screams. Yeah, it's so cool. All right. And this one is the most important question. Okay. Uh, who, who is Knox. your favorite? Who is your favorite, me or Knox? God damn it, you already said Knox. No, because last time I said you. <laughs> okay, so you're going the one for one. You're playing yeah, playing the odds. I got man, you. Man, like a politician. <laughs> I got it. Listen, man, um, I appreciate you doing this. Um, you know, coming back on again. This was fun. Um, Thanks for I'm, having me, dude. I I'm, love... I, I'm sorry I was a few minutes late. No, no, so, no. So I, I actually was helping my son wash his car. Yeah. So I was a little late putting my daughter to sleep. No, no, um, I just, I didn't hear back. From, and I know you're like so busy that, that you don't get back uh, to yeah, me sometimes. Not, so I didn't hear from excuse. you today. And, and I was like, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to log in. I was like, but let me shoot him a text message just to make sure that we're still good. Cause I haven't heard from you all day. Yeah. So yeah, no, no, it's no worries. My son did a great job washing his car. It's awesome. Um, yeah, but no excuse. I, I'm so yeah. glad. No, 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 you're good. You're good. So glad to be here. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'd love to, um, you know, have the whole gang on at one time. We are we are doing uh, Jason, uh, Bruno, and I. Um, we're starting to do some brand spotlight deals where we're trying to bring on companies or whatever and let them talk about their get Jason products. Brennan on. You know, I've been trying to get Brennan on forever, and he just keeps dodging me <laughs> i'll uh i can take care of that <laughs> tell, um tell, tell him he's gotta come on no because i'm such Jason, an awesome Jay, guy yeah he is he he's been he's been wonderful um for for the time that i've known him um he's he's helped me out a lot so you know yeah and you talk about like another again another amazing free agent pickup for rupus yeah um people who know jason from his previous life know that he is just as real as rain and gosh a great guy in fact him and i i think we just finalized that we'll be spending some time up a little bit up north together in in a couple weeks yeah but he's awesome so yeah he is uh, he is he's helped me out a lot i mean he he sent uh he sent some stuff for the podcast when he was with lake country for us to give away um you know when he made a hint are you uh no no because dropping he, some shit on no, no, me no 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 because when he went to rupez he, you know he called me he's like hey man have you tried the new stuff and i said no and he's like he's like i'm yeah, gonna put no. your name in to try and get you some i was like dude i appreciate it he goes he goes i don't bro he's like just he's like just give me honest feedback you've it's known great. me since 2015 or 14 yeah. and you go to jason <laughs> You disrespect me like this? <laughs> you're you're harder to get a hold of, man. You're Jeez, all over the tell place. me about it. I know. I know. Um, so yeah, so I I would I'd love to get the whole gang on eventually. Tell me who you want, and I can I can. Uh... Dylan Dylan can be hard. Jason loves to do. Uh, yeah, I'll see if I can't grab Dylan yeah. by the beard and wrangle him up. I, like I said, I'd love to have all of you at one time. Really, I mean, we'd love to have as many of you as we could get on and just talk about Rupez and, and obviously I'd love to get those guys single, um, you know, just find out their stories and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but yeah, man. Um, so real quick before we go, um, if anybody would like to reach out to you, I mean, do you, 
does people reach out to you? Is there a way for people to reach out to you if they want to ask you a question or get put some me on the spot knowledge um, or whatever? I mean, you listen, I listen, I, I know some of you guys are just too busy to talk to, to anybody. So, well, um, um best you way to contact them, you could always deflect them to uh, Dylan too, you know, I mean, <laughs> he's, we're, we're all super busy. Listen, um, the best way to reach me that way would be, uh, probably through email. Uh, having so many points of contact instagram and i get facebook messages man it's like months go by and i won't check those because i get it's not to be rude yeah but the best point of contact is through email um todd h at rupususa.com 100 the best way if you send me that email i will respond to it I, i am checking those emails constantly um best that's 100 the best way to get a hold of me if it's a question that i can't um help you with an email or something like that then for sure we'll we'll exchange numbers and, and do it that way but the best and first way would be through the email well listen man again as always i i appreciate all the help you've done um i appreciate you coming on um now now a couple of times yeah man thanks for having me and and you know like to get you i'd like to get you and fermani back on again and just just have you guys tell some more stories because that was the, uh, that was the one the one thing that from uh from your guys's episode that everybody talked about was the uh <laughs> you guys telling the stories so oh there's so many with yeah, that we, guy we, one we, day we'll we'll have to tell you about when we were detailing i think it was like the it's the last pop-up or uh no it was fixed headlight lamborghini diablo the i don't remember the vt something yeah and uh with Mark Harris, it was the three of us, and we thought it would be really funny to drink an entire bottle of Fireball because <laughs> it was cold out. Fireball's got that cinnamon. Oh, is that, that the was, one you guys did when it was snowing? You damn right we did. And uh, and okay, wait, wait, hang on. Is okay. let me let me see if I remember. Is that the one you did like the whole thing with? but uh, was it the melee or something something yeah. something weird just to prove that you could do it like even the small super small area david did he was okay. edge polishing this diablo with the melee that wasn't the day the day that we drank the fireball wasn't there was no machine polishing <laughs> <laughs> that would have been dumb right and, and right i'm making it sound worse than it, it right, was right. no no um, no but I, I remember i remember that uh i remember that post i remember that one yeah yeah, yeah we um geez david David and I sleeping in a truck spot. We told the story about the yeah. um, what was it? The gold Take, class. Yeah, taking a bath in the in the in the swimming pool. In the pool gold with class. the gold yeah. class. <laughs> with stuff. the founder, it was the founder of um the ticket clinic. So if yeah. you ever see those, yeah, that was the the guy whose pool we were. He's awesome. Mark yeah. Mark wouldn't have cared. <laughs> um, but yeah, those were the. There's a lot of stories like with, with Fermani and I. Um, one day off the air, we'll tell you about the time we went to California. All right. Well, I'll, I'll hold you to it. So. Yeah, but that's off the air. Yeah. No, 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 no. I know. And, um, right. and Hey man, listen, hey. if, if, if whenever you're in town, you want to get together and hang out, we or should something like that. organize a detailers get together. Mm-hmm. I'm down. We'll, we'll figure it out. But you probably know a lot more than I do. So, so yeah, let's, I mean, let's I know, I know, and... I, yeah, I know, I know a few, I know a few guys that are around town that might be kind of cool. So we'll see, but all right, buddy. <laughs> um, Ooh, I got to get up early me. and do some cars in the morning. So I'm going to get off. Oh, of bed. no, it's Saturday. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, but it, she's a really good client. And 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 Fire. Saturdays are like the only day she like runs one of the hospitals here in town. 
So Saturday mornings are the only time that she has free. Um, Especially now. And listen, man, money's money, right? I mean, go, go get it. Exactly. All right, man. You have cool. a great night. I appreciate talks, it. Brother. Oh, wait, yep. wait, hang on. Oh. There's one last, one last thing. I forgot. Sure. I forgot. I've been, cause I'm trying to keep up with this. Okay. So, so something new I've been doing is Knox one. No, 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 no. Oh. Fuck Knox. Um, one random piece of advice, whether it's detailing business related, life related, just something that maybe somebody out there might hear and it might help them through. Uh, you got, you got anything you got, don't swim oh, track infested water or something like that. Throw me on a soapbox. Uh, <laughs> I, I will make this as ambiguous as I can. Okay. Get your advice from professionals who give advice. Um, meaning, don't go to politicians to get medical advice. Don't get political advice from medical doctors. Keep things like that very separate. And uh, that would be my life advice. And I, that's, that's it. Um, <laughs> if you're watching a news channel to get health advice, you, you have failed miserably yeah. at <laughs> epistemology, which is the study of how do we know things are true. Right. Um, that would be my, my, my life advice. And, and, and one step further than that. Okay. How do I say, okay, we're all on this planet together. And it's very easy to get wrapped up into this rat race where you're looking out for yourself first. But the reality is, if we're all going to survive on this planet together, maybe we should spend a little bit more time thinking about other people. Yeah. And uh, although I doubt that's going to change anybody's opinion on anything, <laughs> um, it is you something know, I try to remind there might, there might be one person Listen, out there that, yeah. Make decisions that don't keep you up at night. How about that? That's a that's a better one. That's a good one. Whenever you uh, whenever you make a decision, think about it and go, "Hey, is this is this gonna poison my soul?" Yeah, exactly. Yep, and yep. and treat people right and be humble. All right, I appreciate it. I don't know right, if buddy. that's anything good, and, and yeah, I, I, I certainly you know, have to live by it too. Whatever. I mean, if somebody somebody gets a good thing out of it or not, and whatever. I'm just I'm trying to ask everybody when we come on because you never know. Somebody yeah, might... and Knox. That would be my other advice. Too. <laughs> yeah. Finally, can <laughs> tag me in a post, so now I'm cool with them. <laughs> hey, brother, have a great night, man. Thanks Thank for you, having. Sir. You do the same. Talk Appreciate you, you, dude. Bye, bye. Right.